Well, good morning. Good to see everybody today. I uh, want to welcome our, our visitors that are here today. Uh, just make yourself at home. And those of you that are not visitors, if you get a chance, uh, stop by and say hi to them and welcome them. Uh, and it's good to be here in the house of the Lord today. Um, just, I'm ready to go. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer before we get into the Word this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. We thank you that you're faithful. Lord, that you never fail us. You always show up and meet us according to your word, Father. Lord, forgive us where we failed you. I ask that you cleanse us of any unrighteousness right now, Father, that we might enter into your presence and, and uh, just take in whatever it is you have for us today. Prepare our hearts and minds that we could receive what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us, Lord. Pray that you would send your anointing that I might be able to do your will and, and say what you'd have me to say. I just ask that your will would be done the rest of this service, Lord, and we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Turn with me this morning to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We'll begin reading this morning in verse 11. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through Him, we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Wow. As I was uh, preparing uh, this week, I've, just, I've had this thought in my mind all week, and... Uh, as I was preparing the message, 
I, I really struggled with where exactly God wanted to go, what exactly He was wanting to say to us today. And it just started to become really clear. And so as, as I, I'm going to throw out a title, okay, but I need you to just stay with me. The title is Plead the Blood. And that is a, 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 a phrase that if you've been around um, churches very long, especially those that are more of the full gospel nature, you're going to hear people say things like plead the blood. It's, it's kind of a common phrase. People will use that in so many ways. But what I want to really focus on today is what the blood does for us as children of God, what, what it really has done for us. And this passage that we just read really highlights our state before we were saved. If you're here today and, and you're not saved, just hang on, i got something for you today too. But if you're a child of God, if you have received salvation and your, your sins have been washed away and you're, you're, no, my eternity is with Him. I have a hope of spending eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven, a place prepared for me by Him. Then listen to what i got to say. We start off there in verse 12. It says, Having no hope and without God in the world. Before we're saved, that's exactly where we find ourselves. But you know, this passage goes even deeper than that. It, it, it's, it's speaking to who the Gentiles were in relation to God, which we fall into that category. Basically, anybody that is not a Jew, that is not of that house of Israel, you're outside. The promises were given to Israel alone at the beginning. And then Jesus came. Jesus tore down that wall of separation between man and the Holy Spirit, but He also tore down a wall that prevented anyone but Israel from receiving the promise. And we were brought in. It says before this, before Jesus came and shed His blood, we had no hope. There was no chance. There was no getting in. There was no making a way somehow unless God did it. And He did. The blood of Jesus Christ made a way for us. In verse 13, he says, Now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. We go from having no hope to being brought near. The blood did that for us. In verse 14, it says, For He Himself is our peace. We have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything we've done. And man, here's where the rub comes. We, so many times as, as Christians, as, as children of God, go to God and, and we try to plead our case. We need to quit pleading our case before an almighty God and we just need to plead the blood. The blood is the only thing that separates us from anything. The, the blood is the only thing that can make a difference in our life. It is the only thing that gives us hope. You see, no matter how good I am, 
in my eyes. No matter how good I am in man's eyes, none of it is nothing when I stand before a holy and righteous God. But the blood. The blood makes all the difference. The blood is the only thing that makes a difference. He Himself, Jesus Christ, is our peace. In Romans 5 and 1, it says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't fool yourself into into believing that somehow you can do enough on your own to be pleasing to Him. Romans chapter 8 tells us that, that you cannot be pleasing to God without faith. Faith in what? Jesus Christ. That faith is the only thing because why? It's tied to the blood. The blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. You see, if I just believe in Jesus as a man alone, it does nothing for me. But when I believe that Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God that was given as a sacrifice for my sin and that He condescended to our level and laid His life down as an offering. And then, after it died and three days it went by, He rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave after that penalty was paid. I can believe then that His blood does something for me. It gives me a hope of something that's outside of this world. We must be covered by the blood. We go back. Why? why? Let me step back for a moment. Let me give you another example. We go back all the way to Exodus. There was a symbol and a sign that was given to Moses to give to the people. A plague was about to come upon Egypt and the firstborn of every person was going to die. And God told Moses, He said, I want you to take a lamb, I want you to take a perfect lamb, a a spotless lamb, one that has nothing wrong with it. I want you to take the best one you can find and I want you to kill it. And I want you to take that blood, and I want you to put it over the doorpost. Put it all around your door. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Y'all, I want you to understand today that there is no power in the physical blood of a lamb on this earth. But what there is power in is, is trusting God and believing His Word. And He used that lamb's blood as a sign, a symbol, something that pointed to what was to come. Because there was going to come a day early, early on in our existence as we look back in, at the point of 0 B.C., 0 A.D., that there was a lamb that came to this earth. The Bible says that he was a lamb slain before the foundations of the world were even laid. It was already done. And so when he gives Moses a command that points to something else, it's because he already knows what's coming. And this man came and he laid down his life for you and me so that those of us without hope 
would have hope. It's a symbol. It's a sign. It points to Jesus. Jeremiah says it like this. In verse 31 and 3 of Jeremiah, he says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. See, now we go into a different realm here. This is not just about the work that's already been done in our life as, as Christians, but we get into the area where we need to have an understanding. If you have not been saved, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you need to know something. He's drawing you. You don't go find God without Him drawing you. It's by His loving kindness that He draws you. What is loving kindness? It's, think of it as mercy and favor. It's a great love that he, that he sends toward you because without Him we don't know of this love. We think we love somebody. We think we understand what unconditional love is until they do us wrong. That's not unconditional then, is it? You say, well, I, I, I always love my, my children, right? And well, let them do you wrong a few times and you'll have some anger toward them, won't you? And there might come a point where you just don't even really want to be around them anymore because they won't change their ways. And see, that's the difference though. Our love is conditional upon behavior. But God's love is unconditional. He says, I've drawn you with my loving kindness. Romans 2 and 4 says, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. I want you to understand that Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 is on the heels of what was said in Romans chapter 1 where he talks about how, how men were given over to a reprobate mind because they did things that were unseemly, leaving the, the natural use of a woman burning in their lust one for another. It comes on the heels of that, right? That's a very strong, hard thing to hear. And then he says, listen, you wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't know that there's goodness of God unless I drawed you. I've shown you who I am because I want you to repent. I want you to turn. If it weren't for Him drawing us, and displaying His goodness to us, we would not come up to a place in our life of repentance. We wouldn't turn away from our sin and turn toward Him. We don't just stumble upon the goodness of God. We don't just say, you know what, I think I'm going to go look for something good and go find God. God draws you. God is seeking you out today. God brought you here today uh, for an appointed time because He loves you. He, he wants you to be with Him. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, what powerful love is that? 
Y'all, we, we used some words up at the beginning in the first passage we read in Ephesians, and they kept using this word enmity. Enmity is a great separation and divide. Enmity, you think of it as a, a wall and a barrier, and it sounds a lot like another word we, we think of, enemy. And I don't know that we can actually say, look at a definition and say, well, yeah, that's, that's where it comes from. But I'm here today to tell you that while I was the enemy of God, Christ died for me. While I was against Him, I didn't want anything to do with Him, His love drawed me. It was His goodness that led me to a place that says, you know what, I don't need to turn. I can't keep going the way I'm going. Look how good God is. And there's people in this world that look at what we have portrayed as God and say, well, that doesn't seem very good. Maybe, maybe we did a bad job of portraying it. But I'm here today to tell you that the goodness of God is good whether we like it or not. And I know you say, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it's because our idea of good gets skewed. We look at certain things and we say, well, that's got to be good. No, it doesn't. God is good. Where does this take us today? Well, I'm here today to talk to you about the blood. That's what I came for. That's why I want to share it with you. That's, that's the thing that's been on my heart is that oftentimes as a child of God, as a Christian, when we do wrong, we go before God and we, we say, well, you know, God, here's why I did this. This is what I was thinking. We're trying to plead our case. We're trying to make a case that, that somehow makes us not so bad. When really all we need to do is quit trying to do that and just humble ourselves for a moment and plead the blood of Jesus and say, look, I've asked you to forgive me, God, because the, the blood of Jesus Christ has washed me clean. And it's as simple as that. We don't have to keep talking about how we did this and we did that and where we went wrong and how we're going to promise in the future to do better. We don't have to talk about all of that, church. Quit pleading your case before a holy God because it's futile. But when you plead the blood, there's no argument. He's, yeah, I know, that's why I sent him. Yeah, I know. I'm glad you receive it. I'm glad you accept it and acknowledge it, that, that it's the blood of Jesus that makes me able to come into the presence of God. It's the blood of Jesus that does anything around making me acceptable to Him. That's it. It's nothing about me. He loves me. He cares for me. John 3.16 is all over this. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to have everlasting life. He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world. His loving kindness has drawn us if you're here today and you have, have ever had a moment in your life where you were drawn to God, you felt like maybe, man, I just I was in the right place at the right time. Mm -mm. Ain't, it wasn't coincidence. You were in the right place at the right time because God drawed you. He drawed you into that place and said, I've got an appointment with you. 
You ever wonder why sometimes you realize how good God is? You realize, man, I, I was looking at things wrong. God is good. I want you to know God was good all of that time. The times that we look around and we say, oh man, where is the goodness of God at now? I, I'm going through a tough thing. Where is He at right now? He's still the same. He hasn't changed. We so often think about our walk with God as being us must go to Him. We must go to God. But we miss out on the fact that He has been drawing us from the very beginning. He created you. He designed you. He wants good for you. It's our rejection that has separated us. It's our sin that has separated us from God. And when we get all of that right and we get under the blood... Now we can enter into fellowship with Him because it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we're viewed as pure and holy and righteous. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm here today to tell you, you can. I'm here today to tell you that you're here today because He's calling you. Make it personal. It is personal. You need to understand this isn't just some random occurrence where you just happen to be here, but God has put you in this place today to either, number one, remind you of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ or to call you back in and say, I want you. Repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to me. You say, well, I've got too much. He knows that. It's more than you can bear. It's more than you can ever overcome. There's not enough good you can do in this world to fix the wrongs that you've made. That sounds horrible. That sounds very negative and devastating. It, it sounds hopeless. But I'm here to tell you today about hope. Because it's the blood of Jesus Christ that when we come under the blood, all of those things we couldn't make right and we couldn't get rid of, we couldn't shed ourselves of, of all those things that we've done wrong, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that says, but I can. <laughs> but I can. Isn't God good? Because, y'all, I was buried under a multitude of sin. But His love and kindness drawed me. I was buried up in something I couldn't get out of, but His goodness showed me that I needed to turn. It was His love and His goodness and the power of the blood that gave me hope that, that those things that once had hold of me could not keep me. They, they, didn't, they didn't have power over me anymore. Praise God. Those things that, that had me by the ankles had to let go when the power of the blood of Jesus Christ was applied to my life. He paid a debt for all of my sin. All of it. You too. So if you're here today and you're saying, man, I've had so much wrong. It's not too much. 
too much for you, but it's not too much for him.